You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into a fresh Friday edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you, and Jeffrey Davis now on board with the Penn State recruiting class. For the second straight Friday, the Nittany Lions received good news on the 2021 trail. And Sean, this is one that uh, rapidly kind of came to fruition for Penn State and Jeffrey Davis. He released a top eight earlier this week. Um, by midweek, we realized that he was set to announce on Friday. Uh, that just dropped. Now the podcast drops. You're going to hear from Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst, uh, in just a bit. He'll give us his take on Davis, uh, new 24-7 sports recruiting rankings, a whole lot more. It's been another really busy week on the recruiting trail, as you're about to hear. But uh, things are moving quick. We were at two commitments for Penn State's class at the start of last week. and, and uh, I'm sorry, three commitments with Landon Tangwall. And now here we are wrapping up this week eight commitments now on board for the Nittany Lions yeah I see you have six commits in 22 days yeah five commits in eight days is it's going to load that number up but you can't uh you can't disregard Landon Tangwall's decision in terms of getting this thing rolling so that's good uh Jeff Davis is a guy Penn State offered back in November very familiar with uh the staff the staff very familiar with him he's camped for them a couple of times um, and this is something I wrote very late last night in an S-Zone about the familiarity between the staff and the players, or excuse me, the staff and some prospects right now because they have been on campus, whereas it's kind of the flip side for some of these other guys that are on the board um, because they don't have times, they don't have anything. Bud Elliott, which by the way, Bud Elliott's been freaking awesome to have at 24-7 Sports. We had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, but he, he wrote something in early April about, hey, you know, this is going to be a very different spring evaluation period because these coaches can't get these guys on campus. They can't get verified track times. They can't get any of this. And you kind of just, you know, just kind of let that go to the side at the time. But now that you're looking at it, that's been all my last two weeks is is coaches all over the country are, are looking for data on these guys to figure out where they fit and if they fit into the class physically. Jeff Davis is a guy that came to camp, ran a four or five for the staff, tested very well. Um, he's got, uh, he, you know, he is that six foot. He is, uh, you know, he, he's basically what they're looking for in a mold. Um, but uh, w- and with other guys on the board, guys like uh, Ryan Barnes down in Maryland, Tyreek Chappelle in Philly, De- Demon Harmon in Virginia, and I'm kind of putting Tony Grimes in a, and De- and Dejon Warren in a different boat right here because they're I think top top of the board type guys. Um, but you know you you know a little bit more about Davis than those other guys, so you feel comfortable taking his commitment. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a guy um, that that is sort of in that Marquise Wilson mold, and maybe that's because he's come from Connecticut and he's trained with Wilson and things like that. But I think he's a very good player, and, and I think from a recruitment standpoint, this ball has been in Penn State's court since they offered in November. I mean, that's the, there's been no secret that Jeffrey Davis was big, always a big fan of the Nittany Lions. I think it was more uh, whether or not Penn State would, would find room in, in this class for him, and, and they have. 
Davis camped last summer, ends up with the offer when he returns in mid-November for the Indiana uh, game last year in Beaver Stadium, and and here he is, a member of this class. He last got the campus uh, that first weekend in February, which is really the, the last kind of notable larger gathering uh, that Penn State had before uh, they, they got into March and, and, and things went awry for everybody in recruiting. Uh, you mentioned the fact that, that this is a guy who is going to add to that defensive backfield. He drew interest at wide receiver as well along the way. Uh, came out with that top top eight that I mentioned earlier. That included Boston College, Michigan, Rutgers, Tennessee, Wake Forest, and a couple of Ivy League programs, Princeton and Yale. I'll always say it, when you have Ivy League offers on the table, uh, they do their diligence before they extend those offers. So that tells you a lot about what a guy is about as a complete person, not just a an athlete or a football prospect. So a nice sign for what Penn State's picking up uh, across the board with Jeffrey Davis. Uh, he is out of Connecticut, as you said. Uh, it's been a, a fruitful place uh, for Penn State. Will Levis, a, a couple years ago, one of the top prospects in that state, Tyler Rudolph and Marquise Wilson, both out of Connecticut in the 2019 class. And he did reference when that offer first came through for him that, that he was able to tap in to those connections and his former training uh, partners, guys that he's worked out with, Tyler Rudolph, Marquise Wilson, to get insight from inside that locker room, what it's like to be a student athlete. Clearly, he liked what he heard. He appreciated the situation that they've encountered. Things have worked out really well for Marquise Wilson. He's going to be competing for a starting cornerback job uh, when, when things resume. And Tyler Rudolph will see what he does at safety. But uh, th- there was a nice sense of familiarity for for him. He's the number 30 cornerback in uh, composite or in the 24-7 sports rankings, which were, again, updated this week. And, Sean, I, I mentioned this run and all these commitments, five of them since last Thursday, all five of these on the defensive side of the football. No doubt. And and I think there's some more, um, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, parallels between some of these guys. Um, we talked last week on the show about Jalen Reed, Kalen King, Kobe King visiting in January. They came through a snowstorm. Jeff Davis was actually supposed to visit that weekend as well. Some of those guys that were supposed to visit, I think Wyatt, My- uh, Wyatt Millam was on that list, uh, who's committed to, to West Virginia now. A couple others, you know, called off their trip. Never made it back to campus. Jeff Davis made it a point, uh, and I think it was just a couple of days after um, canceling that visit, that he wanted to get back onto campus, and and he did so in early February. So you really see some of these guys that that, that are in this class right now making the effort um, to sort of uh, be extra or, or get to where they need to be to, I guess, uh, now, obviously, they, they didn't see a global pandemic coming, but uh, they got back and they did what they needed to do before that February dead period. So I think that's a, there's something to be said for that. Um, and I think that, you know, like I said, Penn State thought he was too good to pass up at this point. Maybe, uh, you know, he I, I don't know. Does 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 he force their hand by by announcing a decision date? It's very possible. But that's just the time that we're in right now. That's uh, there's a lot that's uh, going on in this spring evaluation period or lack of it that was supposed to start on Wednesday. So it's been a really interesting uh, week. It's been a you know a fun week. Like we said, uh, we want more commitments and, and we fell short of the five that I promised at the end of the show last week. But here we are, Penn State. Uh, Five commitments in eight days. It's it's been a heck of a run. I think that's what, how you meant to phrase it. You were you said five commitments in eight days. We just may have cut off the audio from the second half of that sentence. I and, think they act, they actually heard it wrong. It's you know it's it's a one big. We're not going to run it back. It's, it's semantics at this point. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, among those five commitments, you're going to find four defensive backs, and that's a big haul because eight days ago you you check out this recruiting class as it was structured, you didn't find any defensive backs. Now you've got. Kaitlyn King, Jalen Reed, Zaki Wheatley, uh, and now, of course, the newest addition, Jeffrey Davis. 
My question then, Sean, and, and you've had your finger on the pulse here. You wrote about it in the S-Zone a bit. As you And I'd recommend anyone who has that VIP membership, go check that S-Zone out. Sean posted it around 1 a.m. Uh, going into Friday. And, and it's I got to keep reading, but it's a bunch of information on, on a fast-moving recruiting situation and a different one than we're accustomed to. But where does that lead the defensive back recruiting class? I think it's very clear. Five-star Tony Grimes is in the upper echelon. He's going to have a spot in this class regardless of how things go. But you got Derek Davis, Donovan McMillan, two in-state safeties, uh, Barton Simmons, Brian Dome, both both put together kind of a debate this week on who they think is the better prospect. And it's interesting because Davis has been on the radar for so long that I think a lot of people are even surprised to see his status as the top defensive back, the top safety in this state question. But McMillan is a rising figure, a four-star now in 24 seven sports rankings and then uh Dijon Warren uh a, a guy who you know is the number one overall junior college recruit when you look at 24 seven sports at a familiar location Lackawanna College that's been good to Penn State so throw those names on the table for you I know there are others another offer went out yesterday out in California at the cornerback spot but numbers are getting tight all of a sudden at defensive back well, well, Terry Smith's never going to stop offering corners. That's uh, even, even if he doesn't have any space. I mean, those, those are things that are going to come through, especially out of the region. Um, but yeah, we mentioned uh, Ryan Barnes, Tyreek Chappelle, Damon Harmon in Virginia, all, all guys that Penn State really like a lot. Uh, the safeties, there's there's more out there. I mean, you've got guys in in Florida like. Uh, um, Excuse me, Philip uh, Philip Riley and Charles Montgomery. Sorry, I get those guys mixed up real quick. Um, but uh, yeah, you've got you've got you still got a number of guys out there, and you still got official visits eventually. Don't know when that's going to be, but uh, you know, I, I think that you know you're, you're seeing a lot of classes, uh, you know, sort of make uh, bit, sort of getting their makeup from guys that are closer to home right now, and and that's something that uh, there's something to be said for that. There's also something to be said for. Uh, classes that are taking guys from way out of the region, guys that maybe don't have the same options, uh, you know, closer to home. So it, there's just so much going on right now in terms of wow, that's fascinating. You know, the wow, that's you know, I could I can make an argument for this, I can make an argument for that, and you know, Michigan's pulling guys that that you know don't have any offers from anywhere, and you know, Ohio State's at the at the other end just pulling guys from you know they're they're probably going to get the top two guys from Washington State. I mean, it's just it, it's such so many crazy things going on right now and it's tough to explain and and this is a question i keep getting is you know do you think there will be more flips more decommitments down the line i really do i mean you've got decisions um being made by coaching staff with incomplete data and then at the same time you've got decisions being made by kids with also you know different kinds of incomplete data they're not getting out there they're not visiting they're not doing all that kind of stuff so Really fascinating to see how this is going to turn out. Um, and, and typically, when you take guys that are closer to home, you take a guy you know like Jeff Davis instead of taking a, a Florida kid, that's more likely to stick in the long run. I absolutely agree with you. I think we're going to see a, a major whirlwind this winter, and, and I think we're also going to see a lot more action in that traditional February signing day than, than we've been accustomed to since that early December signing period popped up because I think players are going to want more time. They're going to want to take official visits that they weren't able to take earlier. We're going to see a lot fewer preseason commitments, and the ones that we do see, like you said, how firm are they from both sides of this party? We talked about college kids going home during this pause and not really, you know, being completely under under the watchful eye of the training staffs. And you know, are they are they doing their diligence to stay in shape? Are they 
handling things from a nutrition perspective, that is even, that's much further uh, along as far as the concern, I think, when you talk about high school kids and, and what their situations might be like at home. The kid you saw on campus last summer, or maybe you got to look on him during a game day last fall, or maybe even during the winter. You may not see him for a while, and he may look like a much different person, may have put on some bad weight, may have lost significant amount of muscle because you know he may not have the resources, and unfortunately with some people, may not have the wherewithal to make it happen during this time and, and, and may kind of give in uh, to sitting on, on the couch playing video games a little too much. You don't know how it's going to go. A lot of these guys are wired to where they're going to find ways to work out. But there are so many variables here. I think there's going to be a lot of tough conversations uh, when it gets down to it. And it's going to be unfortunate. But I, I will tell you this, this 2020 class as a whole, when it, a 2021 class as a whole when it gets to college football, uh, should not be lacking for motivation. I just really, really hope we're able to see these guys play their senior year of, of high school football in the fall. That's going down the road. But clearly right now they're facing a, an amount of adversity that we have not seen any recruiting class collectively deal with that I can imagine. I'm sitting there listening to you talk and, and thinking, you know, you're talking about recruiting until you get to that 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 uh, high school football part. Sounds a lot like me just sitting on my couch, uh, you know, <laughs> eating, drinking too much, and I'm going to be out of shape when it comes back into it. But um, yeah, that, that one really hit home. So I feel a little bit of tact, but we'll I move on. I thought you said you were jogging. I, you know, I, I jogged <laughs> that the was day week before one, the podcast. That was week I, one, wasn't it? I, I jogged the day before the podcast. That way I can say it on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, no, I, I, one more point there. I think the Daily Collegian was the first to report this week that no on-campus uh, classes this summer. So if, if Penn State doesn't have kids on campus until August, and this is a football aside thing because we're talking about recruiting right now, they're not going to want to bring kids up uh, You know, when, whenever that, that window does open. You know, summer classes are one thing. You know, it's not everybody on campus, but it's still something on campus. And you don't want to bring these guys up for official visits when there's no campus life going on. So I think that's an interesting dynamic to add to that. Um, the football thing is, you know, an entirely much longer conversation that we can have about when that can start up. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a there's a lot going on now, and the, and it's it's it, you're sort of walking a line if you're a recruiting department pretty much anywhere in the country. And that's the thing. This everybody's dealing with this right now, and, it, and that's something that you know we talk about Penn State consistently. There's a Penn State podcast. We run a Penn State site, um, but everybody's sort of dealing with this right now. So it's not really the excuses part of it. It's more the man. That's uh, that's tough to work with right now. Yeah, and and also we mentioned this last week with uh, with Bud Elliott, but you got these kids in limbo with the transfer portal, and that includes some guys leaving Penn State, and maybe some guys that Penn State would have had interest in if, if they could get their scholarship situation sorted out. And right now, again, you're just at a standstill with a lot in terms of personnel decisions. Elsewhere on the recruiting trail, Sean, things have stayed consistently busy. We had Terry Smith on, cornerbacks coach, uh, for a conference call midweek. Uh, not only cornerbacks coach, but also the defensive recruiting coordinator for Penn State uh, on the staff for a very long time, back to 2014. We're going to get into more of that conversation next week at, at, when when it comes to his position room, but in terms of recruiting, he he almost described this as as almost the final frenzied state of getting up to signing day. And he says he's working the phone from start of the day to end of the day. At, at some point, he's got to put the phone down and, and put his head on the pillow and say that's enough for today. That's how busy he says the recruiting process has gotten. And if you followed our coverage this week. You get a good sense of that because we have been very busy typing away about this stuff. And here on the podcast, we've had trouble talking about 2020 roster issues because recruiting stuff has just been front and center and it's been relentless. 
It, it's been a pleasant surprise for oh, us. Oh, it's been awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. And you don't know, I mean, the kids are very bored right now. Now, some kids are overwhelmed. We saw Nolan Rucci shut it down for at least a week. Um, you know, his dad told me he was on Zoom and FaceTime, you know, three or four hours a day. And that's obviously not really what he's looking to do at this point in time. So um, it, it, it's been, that's that's another added dynamic of it. There's, there's more information going around from that aspect. Kids are willing to talk. Don's uh, been doing awesome. We're going to have Brian Doan on a little bit later. Doan's basically been able to get whoever he wants for the most part. So, um, knock he was on also, wood. I've been, uh, it's been a pretty high success rate, rate for my reach outs too, and uh, we'll take it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, you know, we've got, uh, it was Lonnie White week on Lions 24 7. Uh, you know, the, the Malvern prep quarterback slash athlete slash receiver. Uh, the kid's a phenomenal all-around athlete committed to Clemson for baseball. This is one that's, uh, you know, started building up more and more over the last couple of weeks. Not so much because of where Penn State stands with Christian Veyu, which, by the way, uh, Steve Wilfong and Brian don't put their crystal ball in this week for him to Penn State. Um, but Lonnie White's such an intriguing athlete. And, and you flip on the tape and you see him do some great things as a quarterback, but then he switches up and plays receiver. You know, he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's all over the place um on, on the field so I mean it's it's really uh we were so intrigued by him 24 7 sports bumped him to four stars uh, earlier this week I see his composite eventually coming up I think he's a two-star in rivals um but uh yeah it's been uh it's been an interesting week to follow Lonnie White I think he's the type of athlete that uh you know you're not 100 percent sure he's uh he's a wide receiver but at the same time he's such a good athlete you get him on your roster and then you figure out what to do with him I you know I like him as as an outside linebacker or you know I just just put him somewhere and I think he can be a productive guy um you know it does is it indicative of where they stand with other targets I don't think so I just I think they've liked Lonnie White for a long time they decided they they've seen enough and they've got the information on him he did camp for them last year as a quarterback but uh, obviously that's not the the direction that they're looking at going so um, you know we switched him to athlete I think a lot of schools across the country that have offered him you know see him as, as an athlete more so than a quarterback and you know that's uh, I think that's pretty much where they stand and, and like you said crystal balls have gone in in Penn State's favor for this one I think that's uh there's there's a good reason for that and up until Friday when when Jeffrey Davis commanded the spotlight it really did feel like Lonnie White week uh, on the site because it was like a roller coaster it was uh you know okay Penn State has elevated interest here and Brian Doan's all over this and and all of a sudden people are thinking well he's labeled as a quarterback he plays quarterback I guess this means we're going to strike out on Caleb Williams and Christian Veyu and, and the fans are starting to get that notion and, and it's well no he's not really going to be a quarterback at, at, for this team and and ultimately it leads to some excitement I think about what he could bring to the recruiting class if he does commit to Penn State uh Barton Simmons even dropped an interesting nugget that 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 some coaches are eyeing him up as a possible tight end prospect comparing him to Evan Ingram who was a first round pick for the New York Giants a few years ago uh, you know kind of a slender receiver build um, at the tight end position and we'll see where it goes again another reminder he's good enough at baseball to accept a scholarship as a sophomore to Clemson and, and who knows? He could hear his name called by an MLB program when they get around to that draft. I don't know. I don't know necessarily how he fits in as a as a professional baseball prospect at this stage of his career. But we're talking about a high level multi sports player in Malvern Prep, and and so that, interesting to say the least. We'll keep tabs on him. There, there's some content up on lines247.com if you want to familiarize yourself a bit more because this is the week to do it, and things could take off pretty soon with Lonnie White. You mentioned there's also momentum building. 
building, it seems, with Christian Veyu. Came out with that top, uh, what was it, top four uh, not too long ago, uh, about less than two weeks ago. And, and now all of a sudden you see Steve, Steve Wiltfong put in a crystal ball, which always gets everybody's attention. Brian Doan, I believe, has since followed up with a crystal ball for Veyu. So, Something to, to keep tabs on. We've talked about recruiting momentum the last couple of weeks, and, and we're seeing more indications of it. And and now we're looking for the Nittany Lions to make some moves on the offensive side of the football. Uh, they're, you know, Landon Tangwall, their addition there uh, in March, but you're looking at skill positions on offense. Uh, right now, all you've got uh, would seem to be Liam Clifford uh, at wide receiver. So we'll see how they start to fill some of those skill position slots. Um, speaking of that, Caught up with a couple wide receivers on the target board uh, this week, Sean. A name we've mentioned recently in the past year on the podcast, uh, Andrell Anthony out of East Lansing, Michigan, home of the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, very much interested in Penn State. I, I, he would really love to be able to get here for an official visit uh, during the early period. Uh, he had planned getting here in the last week of May. Not going to happen. The, the, the dead period, emergency dead period, is at least through May 31st. Now he tells me third week of June, uh, the third weekend of June, he would love to get here, but he just doesn't know if it's going to be feasible because of how things are going uh, with the shutdowns. And as you said, if campus isn't reopened, it's hard to imagine you know the Penn State coaching staff being there and, and, and walking a kid around campus. So we'll see where it goes, but I will tell you with Andrew Anthony, uh, before everything went down and, and the world changed with this pandemic, I think in, in his mindset was get to Penn State at least for an official visit. It was the only school that he had a planned official visit for. And then he wanted to commit before his senior season. I think that's all up in the air right now. Penn State, I think, certainly is prioritizing other players at that position over Andrew Anthony, who is a slight player in terms of his physical frame, but he's got six foot three size, he's got length, and he's got some really impressive speed. I think he warrants attention as a special teams returner as well. Uh, a kid that's very high on Penn State, and another name all of a sudden to know, West Virginia commit Andrew Wilson Lamp also wants to take an official visit to Penn State uh, based on our conversation, really piqued his interest. Um, I don't think they're alone in, in terms of schools that he is looking at beyond West Virginia, where he committed to uh, this past winter. He's gotten some uh, some momentum for himself on the recruiting trail. Kentucky is still having a dialogue with him. It sounds like Michigan State could get a visit from him. He's an Ohio high school standout, um, a three, another three-star like Anthony, but another name to know as Penn State pursues wide receivers. And, and I think if this thing gets lifted, whenever it gets lifted, would not surprise to see uh, Wilson Lant maybe get to a game this fall. Um, you know, Again, everything's up in the air right now, but these are two names that I think are showing genuine interest in Penn State. And, and in the case of Wilson Lant, that offer just came on Monday. Yeah, 22.44 second, 200-meter uh, time for Wilson Lamp. So he's got some some track times that are verified. Um, so that I'm sure that went into the evaluation. Um, it's really oh, interesting. By the way, Sean, who, who's recruiting him at West Virginia? Jared Parker. Former Jared, Penn State wide receivers coach. Well, I remember that guy. Uh, <laughs> that guy put Penn State in, in great position for guys like Caden Prather and Jaleel Farouk. And, of course, had Dante Thornton committed for some time. Um, so that's uh, that, that's an interesting one. I still feel you know pretty good about where Penn State stands with with uh, Caden Prather and Dante Thornton. Jaleel Farouk seems to have his eyes on Oklahoma, which that's, that'd be a tough one to swallow. He's a really, really good player. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I think they're, they're, they're expanding that board just to – 
um, you know, when they when they get back into it, be able to hit the ground running and see where they stand with some of these guys. You mentioned official visits for those guys. I mean, you know, to me, you throw in a guy like Braylon Brown as well, and and Lonnie White just picked up an offer. That's a it's a pretty big board at receiver. So we'll see where that goes. Um, we're going to have Brian Doan on here in a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about Aaron Armitage, uh, the defensive lineman from Blair Academy, Canadian import that uh, did not have Penn State on his list. A uh, little bit of a surprise on Thursday night, but uh, you know, no Notre Dame, no Michigan, no Penn State. An interesting group of schools, kind of similar to what we saw to Elijah Judy. And Elijah Judy sees himself as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Armitage seems to see himself as that five technique, three, four defensive end. So I think that's an interesting dynamic as well. Brian Doan dro- uh, dropped some interesting info uh, on our board late last night about his recruitment as well. So um, that, that, that it's not, uh, w- when you take a look back in hindsight, it's not as surprising, but a little bit of a shock on, on Thursday night. Well, if these first 23 minutes of the show, uh, you enjoyed your fill of recruiting information, you're about to get an even larger dose now from Brian Doan. Why don't we transition right over to that conversation? We'll come back after that uh, with some thoughts on the blue-white game that would have happened this Saturday. Uh, Just a quick, fun, sad conversation about our MVP picks. Uh, Who would have been uh, potentially standouts out there in Beaver Stadium since we're not going to get the real thing. But first and foremost, after a quick commercial break, you'll hear from Brian Doe, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We couldn't find any, anyone else, so we'll go to the phone line for 24-7 Sports National Analyst Brian Doan. Hey, Doan, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Hey, I got a question for you before we start. QPR, yeah. they've won the same number of games as if they were still playing over there that they're not playing now? Basically, yeah. Your inside jokes are, are something. No, Nobody understands what you're talking about. <laughs> you, anyway... Uh, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate it nonetheless. I also appreciate this uh, this quarantine. I seem to be entertaining you throughout. Oh, I love it. I'll tell you what, having kids that are older than your kids, I just love listening to your stories about it. And I still think you should just one day go on Instagram live and just do one of those because you'll you'll hit your quota for views in a day with that stuff. I think you were on the phone the other day when I was yelling at my kid to put down the, the garden hose and and I don't know if I've ever heard you laugh harder. Oh, it's outstanding because A, anybody that has kids has been there and B, it is so wonderful to listen to somebody else have to deal with the maddening stuff of things you never thought you would ever say until you're a parent. Quite a few get off the shed moments in quarantine, but nobody's here to listen to about my parenting. We're going to hear about Penn State recruiting. Uh, getting a little busy right now. Obviously, uh, today picking up Jeff Davis, the cornerback uh, athlete out of Connecticut. Uh, another pickup for the Nittany Lions in the secondary, a guy that we've seen a couple of times and, and probably like more than most. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons we like him more than most, and this is just being honest, is I, I think you and I have spent so much time researching him and his true speed 
And I know there's some different things out there in terms of his numbers, but I think you and I both feel comfortable. I was talking to somebody the other night about him, and they said, ah, we have questions about his speed, what he ran during a meet in last spring. And I said, well, wait a minute now. It was in Rhode Island on the shore. You went and looked. You saw what the wind was in that. And so I, I don't think there's enough information out there for a lot of schools and people to say this kid could be really good. And for us, I think we both like him a real lot. And he's a kid that we wanted to see in the spring to talk about making four stars. And I think he's right on that cusp. And I think he's a kid that in the fall or if something happens with summer camps, he could get there. Um, but yeah, I, I like him a lot. And I like him as a cornerback. Back to your previous point about information. I see you read my S zone. The thanks. Uh, thanks for just thumbing over that one. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's an interesting time because really, all these schools are scrambling right now for that updated information. And unless you've had a guy in camp, there's really not much you can say because those track times that we're talking about and, and we got Jeff Davis running, I think an 11, seven into a minus 5.4 on the, on the wind scale, um, which, you know, it's still pretty impressive. Um, uh, it, it's, it's all these little things that, that we don't have the data for and college coaches don't have the data for. And it's, it's made for not really a mess, but it's made for, a lot of guys scrambling at this point. People scrambling and trying to figure out who do you offer, who do you not offer, um, what do you trust, and it really lets you know how much work you've done leading up to this moment. And Penn State had him on campus, had him run at one of their camps where they feel comfortable with his speed. And I think when you watch his tape, you watch his athleticism, you see his length, his ability to change directions, flip the hips and open up. All that stuff is there. So the question is, what is the speed? And when you're talking about a kid who can run in the four fives, which I think you and I both have found out that he can run in the four fives, you're talking about a kid, A, you have to have burst to be able to do that, and B, you have to have top-end speed to do that. And those are things that Penn State feels comfortable with that maybe some other schools do not have the data for. So so how is this changing? And we're going to get away from Davis here for a second. How is this changing things during the spring evaluation period that we're not going to have uh, questions about speed, questions about actual size? I know you've got a great story about uh, actual height and length and things like that. How is that, <laughs> how is that changed how – you know, programs have operated and do we see a residual sort of uh, just sort of uh, just an effect down the line where all of a sudden you've got buyer's remorse on one side or, or even the other? Well, yeah, I think you get it both. I mean, you, you look at kids are committing without going to campuses. OK, and schools are pressuring kids to commit a we're filling up. You better take it. And we don't know how long this stuff is going on. So if you really want to be here, you've seen the virtual tours commit. You're getting that. The other thing is you're getting kids on the phone, you know, or saying, hey, I'm six foot when maybe he's 5'10", or hey, I'm 6'5", when maybe he's 6'3". And so schools are like, okay, let's offer. And then you turn around and say, all right, well, he, you know the kid, he's not that size. And so you then start sifting through what are offers, what are real offers, what are, hey, we really have nothing better to do all we do is watch tape and talk about kids across the country. So what does it hurt offering this kid? Because A, we're not taking his commitment if he tries to commit. And B, if he gets to campus because we offered him, then we get a real look at him at his size and all that other stuff. So I, I think you're seeing 
you know, things on both ends of it, where for some kids, it's going to get more confusing because a kid that maybe has five legit offers all of a sudden has 15 to 20 legit offers. And then you have other kids who are like, well, wait a minute, I do like that school a lot. They're telling me if I don't commit now, I may not be able to commit in two months. And normally you'd be able to get out and see that school and, and make arrangements. So yeah, it's changing things a lot. And it's, I'm curious to see exactly if this works out better or worse for schools, because I know from an evaluation standpoint, we're going a lot more with, you know, I'll give you an example, linebacker out of Maryland with Greg Penn. You know, I, I've wanted to push him up in the rankings. We have him as a 90 outside of the top 247. And then all of a sudden I find out that, hey, wait a minute, here's a kid who, you know, I was, I was talking to him the other day. He's like, look, the only 40 time I have out there is a 461 I ran as a freshman. All right, 461 freshman. Now he's a junior, plays inside linebacker. Okay, I could see where that speed is, is there. So it, it makes you dig deeper on certain things but to me i'd rather just see it with the naked eye yeah it's uh it's, it's really interesting stuff and and the way that we've um rated kids and moved guys around in rankings it's it, it takes on a different sort of uh you know a different approach and we did that this week in our top uh, 247 update a couple of kids that uh you know notable risers and there, and there was some yeah i don't i don't think there was any huge drops or huge uh you know additions or anything like that but guys like george wilson and, and don mcmillan guys who typically come onto the scene you know in the camp season in uh, a little bit later they've been pushed up a little bit um and, and and lonnie white of course a guy that you put in a crystal ball pick for penn state um certainly a guy that i know that you're a real big fan of as an athlete uh just it's the time of year for that sort of thing so so what have we seen from some of these guys yeah and, and you look at george wilson and he was a kid that when i and he's the kid at a, a defensive end who penn state offers he likes penn state a lot one of the schools on him the hardest and and on the Penn State side, that's what they're now looking for with some of their defensive ends. A guy like George Wilson, who very comparable to Cameron Brown for me. Um, but you look at him, he didn't play as a freshman, didn't play as a sophomore. So you want to see him in camp before you make him a four star, you know, in the spring. That doesn't happen. So what happens? I talked to his coach. I talked to a guy who coached him in youth football down there. We talked about his development and how much he wants to really um, become a great football player. He had a few, you know, low division one basketball scholarship offers, including from Hampton. So you see the athleticisms there. And I think, you know, moving forward, when everything does get back to whatever normal is going to be, I think it makes at least me when it comes to ranking kids, it will give me a, a, a broader sense of things to look for and to really start digging deeper earlier in a kid's recruitment so I can find out more about him. And I, I think, you know, with everything, when you have stuff like this, if it doesn't make you better at what you do, then what are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, mentioned Lonnie White, uh, quarterback to start um, and switching it up to athlete, which is a move that we made. It's also a move that a lot of schools have made on their board. Um, you know, and you talked to his coach a bunch this week. Uh, intriguing is probably putting it lightly for him because he could end up at a couple of spots. But, uh, you know, you and I feel the same way that he'll he's going to end up at Penn State. Yeah, I, I think he is. And I think it's one of those things he was waiting for. He can go play baseball there. I know when you look at it, um, they have a history. You and I have spoke on the side about, you know, a kid that played football that now plays, ba you know, played baseball at Penn State. So they have that. 
it's close to home. He's very close with his family. Um, unless Clemson's going to come back and say, look, we want you as a wide receiver, then I can see that if Ohio State decides to offer, and I, I, I don't foresee that happening, although it could, then maybe it changes. But he's a dynamic athlete. I like him as a quarterback. You know, when you're looking at some of the other schools, you know, Rutgers, Boston College, even though BC liked him as a receiver, uh, Syracuse, because they're not pushing to get into the college playoff right now. And he can be a difference maker with his feet at quarterback at Penn state. Now he's a guy that can stretch the field. He's really dynamic out on the edge as a receiver. And so he makes complete sense there. It's, it's different. What Penn state needs to be good on offense is different than what other places need for him to be on offense. And I, I think I'd really be intrigued to see him as a quarterback, but I know he likes playing receiver. That's what he wants to do. He's going to go back there as a senior um, and probably do a really good job at Malvern and be pretty much unguardable against their competition. And for me, he's a perfect fit at Penn State. Um, when I think of what Penn State kids are, uh, I, I think Lonnie White fits that description um, just in terms of, you know, kids that are really academic oriented um, really will value the Penn State education and understand what the alumni pipeline can do, loves the fact that he can play in front of 100,000 fans and represent his own home state. I think those are things that he's all comfortable with, and it just makes too much sense. And if he can make some visits, I was told if he could make some visits in the spring, if they clear it up in late May, early June, he will make some visits. And if not, I could see him doing something in June. Um, if he can't make visits, but who knows? I mean, shoot, Elijah Judy was supposed to announce in mid-July, and then yesterday I decided he's announcing Sunday. Elijah Judy is a name that uh, left Penn State out of his top five a few weeks ago. Uh, now Aaron Armitage does the same out of Blair Academy, Canadian transplant, but at Blair Academy, so a very familiar school for James Franklin, whose uh, old college teammate is one of the coaches there. And of course, uh, they've got uh, Jason Away played there as well. So um, Aaron Armitage is leaving him out, and and you had some details on the board and kind of leave that on the board, but uh, you know, a surprise, but also in hindsight, not really. No, it's not. Um, my regret is I should have just moved my crystal ball to foggy long ago. Um, but you always keep it in mind with Penn State because, of, like you said, the relationship between Penn State and Blair Academy. Um, I also look at the standpoint of, you know, I talked about it before with George Wilson and, and they like him a lot. Uh, I'm seeing kind of a shift in what Penn State wants. Armitage is a kid who's being recruited mostly to play inside. I think eventually that's where he's going to go to. I could see um, me adjusting his position to defensive tackle. I think that's what his body makeup is. I think that's what his skill set is going to be after I saw him in a camp setting last year and I saw him play live. And I don't think Penn State is really pushing for guys for the interior of the defensive line. I think they're looking more for guys on the edge. And like I mentioned with George Wilson, they're looking for certain body types and they're looking for guys that can add some mass and some strength and still have that great burst to get up the field. And it goes back to, you know, Penn State, the new D-line coach, Coach Scott, was not in contact with Armitage a ton. I, I would text with Aaron throughout February, and, and he really wasn't talking to him much. And I, I know the thought may be, well, geez, why wasn't he you know, in a lot of contact with them? But to me, it suggests that maybe they want to go 
in another direction of what they're looking for in their body type on a defensive line. And, and you see that a lot, you know, notably with quarterbacks on what guys, you know, what they want or offensive line coaches, here's what we want, but it goes on throughout a roster. And, and I just feel like when you look at a kid like Aaron Armitage, I, I don't think that Penn state was pushing as hard as maybe they were six months earlier. Yeah, and it always and it always sounds uh, not. I won't say sour grapes because you're a national analyst, but uh, it always it, in hindsight it's always easier to to diagnose where that is. And plus, you and I talked about that. I mean, Judy's looking to be a three four outside linebacker. I mean, Armitage seems to fit the type of a of a three four defensive end, and a lot of his schools matched up with with what uh, with Judy uh, excuse me with what Judy's look like. Yeah, and and you look at look at with Elijah Judy. I felt for a while that he wanted to go play in the SEC. You know, he was talking about Texas A&M, talking about Georgia, wanting to get further away from home. If you look at the schools that were on his list, uh, the closest one was Tennessee. And I think sometimes you get that with kids. And especially, you know, in Philadelphia, where you see guys like DeAndre Swift doing well at Georgia and Mark Webb down at Georgia, um, you know, Philadelphia's a pretty tight-knit community when it comes to football. You know, it's why West Virginia's getting some kids out of Imitep and having success there. And I just feel like when when Elijah Judy got the offer from Georgia in mid-January, he was really quick to set a visit down there. And once he went down there at the end of January, he, he loved it. And, and I thought that's where he was going to wind up and he'll announce Sunday. And it's, you know, to me, it's Georgia, Texas, A&M. You can see where my crystal ball pick is. So I think he's just a kid that wanted to go play in the South. I don't, I don't fault Penn state on that. Not at all. Gotcha. Uh, the, you put in the Lonnie white crystal ball this week. That was not the one that made waves. You and uh 24 seven sports director of recruiting, Steve Wilfong put in the crystal ball for Christian Bayou quarterback out of Canada by way of the Bullis school in Maryland. Um, I like the pick. Uh, I've said that I haven't quite hopped on board with you. We like to get our own information as we say, and I like where Penn state stands. I like the pick, but, uh, can you, can you take us through your reasoning for that? Yeah, I, I, it's a few things. I know some people close to Christian Velo who, you know, said he's a heavy Penn State lean. So we'll start there. And and I had heard that for a while and, and continued to, uh, you know, wait on it because it, it, if people realize when I do crystal balls, I'm really conservative. I do not like to change my schools. I do not like to put things in prematurely. I like to make sure I'm pretty sure on it. And so, you know, when you look at what's going on with, you know, Clemson and and they have a quarterback right now who is going to be a freshman who takes some time maybe for Christian Valu to beat out. I never really saw it as a great fit at Tennessee. LSU's kind of moved in a different direction. And and so you start looking at, at things and, you know, you just it just makes too much sense. He's a perfect kid for Penn State. He's a Northeast kid. He's from Canada. He plays at the Bullis School. Um Penn State has a really good reputation recruiting down in the DMV. It, it just, he loves the school. I, I think he can be absolutely outstanding in that offense. And yes, folks, we wanted to look at him in the spring eval and maybe pump his rating up a little bit. So we'll take our time with that. But to me, um, it, 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 just, it always made sense for him to go there. Um, and now when it looks like Caleb Williams is probably going elsewhere, I, I think you can see that thing move a little quicker. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Well, Don, I will let you get back to whatever you or whoever just burned something in your house. I heard your fire alarm going off. We had to, actually had to stop for a little bit. Uh, hopefully I can edit that out. Um, but uh, we appreciate having you on the show as always. Uh, he's a guy that I've probably talked to more than anybody outside my wife in quarantine and really glad to have him on the team. So, Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us in this podcast. I'm sure we'll have you on in the not too distant future. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And also, I really feel bad for your work where your life is considering I'm the person you talk to the most outside your family. I thought you were going to drop the feel bad for my wife, but that's implied at this point, I'm sure. No, without question. I mean, and by the way, folks, that was my wife who burned the pizza in the oven. Shh, don't tell her. All right. Thanks, Don. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Great stuff from Brian Don. Uh, as always, if you listen to this show consistently, you know it won't be too long uh, until we get him on again to break things down and help put things in perspective. Check out his content up at lines247.com. I know uh, we got a bunch of new VIP subscribers this week. Thank you to all of you. We are, we are tops in terms of April. We are way up on the leaderboard for, for new subscriptions across the 24-7 Sports Network where there are a great amount of excellent team sites. So we appreciate you. We've been mentioning this a lot uh, since coronavirus swept through the country that you know we're going to be here to serve the distraction serve up the information and fortunately this week a lot more content as well um so thank you again to, to everybody for jumping on board and for the longtime subscribers uh you know obviously you know we, we have a lot of love for you as well um would have loved to have seen everybody out at the lines 24 7 tailgate on saturday although the weather forecast wasn't exactly looking promising for, for great spring weather here on Saturday, Sean, but we're going to miss it. I mean, it, it's always a great event. It's a, it's a taste of tackle football in April. It, it gives us a nice little sense of, of just you know being back in Beaver Stadium, being back in the press box, um, and just you, you get those vibes, and, it, and it's a nice little uh, launch pad for, for, the, for the next few months before we actually do the real thing in September. Not going to happen for obvious reasons. There's a virtual tailgate that, that Penn State is putting on. Uh, GoPSU.com has all the information there. They're trying to build a nice community effort and a nice platform on Saturday, which is good to see. Uh, but you, myself, and Mark Brennan, we've been doing roundtables about would have been for, for spring practice and kind of how we see things coming out in the early stages of Penn State in this roster. Did one this week that was as hypothetical as it gets. We picked MVPs for a spring game, which is hard enough when there's actually a spring game. Uh, it, it's a glorified practice scrimmage session, uh, but it's even harder when this game won't be played. But still, it was uh, you know got to pick our brains a little bit. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's more fun, and and we've been doing these roundtables uh, on lines twenty four seven for a few weeks now, and. Uh, the hypotheticals are, are one thing, um, repeatedly writing about the same thing is another thing. So, uh, we try to mix it up a little bit with our MVPs. Uh, you know, it, it is what it's the blue white game. So there's a lot of reps for younger guys. There's a lot of, uh, you know, Mac Hippenhammer and Shawnee Kersey touchdowns. And, and that's just, uh, it's just the way it goes. I, I picked TJ Jones, um, you know, why not? You know, he, he he's a guy that's going to was slated to get a lot of reps, uh, you know, at, at the, uh, the the Z position along with John Dunmore. So those those guys both needed reps and they would have gotten reps this spring. So that's, a, you know, sort of tough pill to swallow for those young guys. But I uh, had an opportunity, I'm sure, to catch a couple touchdown passes uh, this weekend. So I went with TJ Jones. I'm really interested to see his development, he, both he and Dunmore. I think that would have been a really nice battle to watch in the spring. Um, definitely need some some maturation out of both of those guys um, and uh, not going to get uh, not going to get a chance to see those guys go head to head. But like what I've heard about TJ Jones, um, you know, he's, he seems to be a player. He came in a little bit uh, more built uh, than, than John Dunmore, who was 
you know, 170 some pounds when he got here. So really interested to see their development, um, especially because they're going to be so far away from home for a long time or so far away from, um, you know, Penn State for a long time back home in Florida. So uh, interested to see their development. I like uh, like some tools that both bring to the table. Just I don't think they've come around and been complete wide receivers yet. But uh, yeah, there, I think there would have been a lot of uh, a lot of passes thrown in that second half. And I think TJ Jones would have would have gotten in the end zone. You are well aware that our listeners and readers have been grasping for good news at the wide receiver position, so you've officially launched the hype train for TJ Jones. People need a hero. People need something to believe in with this group. Uh, TJ Jones, oh, there's a name for you. There, you, you threw everybody a bone with that one because I think right now, outside of Jahan Dotson, really everybody's just wondering what the heck is happening at the position, uh, especially with, with players off campus and a new offense, uh, an evolving offense uh, coming to fruition this fall. Um, in terms of my pick, I, I was thinking running back all the way, Sean. Um, initially, I was thinking Devin Ford. You tapped me on the shoulder and said, you always pick Devin Ford for everything. And also, you know, I, I also think he will get some veteran treatment. I, I certainly don't think we're going to see. We would have seen much of Journey Brown, if at all. Noah Kane, same deal. And Devin Ford, e- e- even in the same department. And he's had a great, great, as we'll get into in the first episode next week, a lot of high praise for Devin Ford and what he could bring to the to the field in 2020 from Jaywan Sider. And so don't sleep on Devin Ford, but I'm going to go Keziah Holmes. I could see a duplication of what we saw in 2019, last April, when Noah Kane went out there, had 14 touches, which was a team high, scored a couple times, you know, showed what showed what he was made of early, gave some early indications of, of what laid ahead for him in the fall when, when he really emerged and and ultimately did that against, you know, Penn State's first team defense. I think Isaiah Holmes, his ability is kind of an all-purpose guy. I, I'd expect he would have seen some pass targets, had opportunities to reach the end zone, assuming that his offensive line, which would have been backup guys, would have been able to handle themselves and been accountable up front. I think he would have found some room, showed off that speed. Uh, he, you know, he's rivaling Journey Brown in terms of speed, according to Jay Wan Sider, pushing Journey Brown. So that's 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 a lot of quickness uh, from from a freshman running back, and I think they wouldn't have been afraid to, to get him involved, uh, kind of get his feet wet, and, and do it in front of a Beaver Stadium crowd. That goes a long way your first time around. And so I go Kazai Holmes. I wouldn't have been surprised to see him, you know, again, kind of match what we saw from Noah Kane last time. And uh, Mark Brennan goes Taquan Roberson quarterback uh, who you know Sean Clifford don't expect to see much of him in the setting Will Levis I, I would have probably uh, kind of anticipated seeing a decent amount of him because Kirk Shiraka has not seen any of him really uh, but Taquan Roberson Michael Johnson Jr. figured to get a lot of action and and because this game really constrains what a quarterback can do with his legs you're not you know you're not going to hit the quarterback so you're not going to really see true genuine runs with the quarterback I think that probably limits Michael Johnson Jr.'s potential to to go out and, and put together a big performance. But uh, Taquan Roberson was the pick for Mark Brennan. He said it was easy money. He had the third pick. Pretty confident in his pick. We'll never know. And by the way, going back to the unpredictable nature of, of what the spring game performances mean, my first time ever on campus was the 2017 spring game. The most productive player on offense, probably outside of Tommy Stevens. Stevens had a nice day for himself. Jonathan Holland, I believe he had a, a team-high eight catches, uh, which is more than he had in his entire Penn State career cumulatively. So, Hard to read into this game a lot. Defensively, you st- uh, you went with Joey Porter, uh, and 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 we'll get to my pick in a second. But cornerbacks are going to be a topic of discussion on the next episode. And this is a guy that Terry Smith says will be competing for a starting job, and that may come as a surprise after he redshirted last year. That, like I think I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast. They love him. I mean, he's 
uh, so long, lanky, uh, you know, athletic as well. Ran that four in the four fours when he got here last year, which was, you know, I think a surprise to everybody. Um, so he's got a lot of, he checks a lot of those boxes and he, you know, Marquise Wilson had a phenomenal, uh, finish to the year last year. thought Keaton Ellis was strong last year, but, but they really like Joey Porter and put him in that same boat as well. So I'm curious to see how that, you know, would have played out in a blue white game, but, uh, that's the, that's the beauty of these picks. We, we can't possibly be wrong. So, uh, <laughs> really, really happy about that. Um, usually there's a little bit of risk to it when I go in picking, you know, Isaac Lutz to be the, the blue white game MVP, but, uh, yeah, Porter's a guy that they're high on, and like I said, I'd like to bring a little something different like I did with T.J. Jones. So uh, Joey Porter Jr. gets the nod. Yeah, really curious to see where he ends up. He's still going to stick at corner. I know everybody wants to move him to safety because of his uh, height, because of his size, but uh, still wants to move or still wants to keep him at corner and see what he can do because – you know, if you can get a corner at that size with that kind of length, uh, that's, uh, you know, he, he, and usually when you have those guys, they're four, six guys or whatever, you know, that's, uh, that's quite an intriguing combination. I'm sure Terry, Terry Smith fought to keep him there. I went with, I would say a safer pick in Adisa Isaac, uh, you know, Jason away, considering what we heard the first week of March, uh, from Dwight Gold about him recovering from, uh, you know, some shoulder issues in the off season, don't think we would have seen him out there in the blue-white game, uh, which means that the lane is wide open for Adiza Isaac to be out there as the first-team uh, defensive end opposite Shaka Tony, and we wouldn't have seen much of Tony either. But I think Adiza Isaac would have gotten some decent run in this game. Uh, you know, he's put on forty, almost 40 pounds since he got to campus last January. He's still an athletic specimen, um, and I think the blend of all that, working against what would have been a reserve offensive tackle for Penn State, he's not going to be going up against Rasheed Walker or Will Bill Fry's out there because you know first team versus first team isn't how this works out. Um, so I think he would have feasted a little bit, gotten in the quarterback's face, not been able to hit the quarterback unless he wanted to get an earful from James Franklin and Kirk Shiraka. But you know he, he certainly I think would have gotten some some tags on the quarterback and, and made it made an impact, showed a little bit a, a bit of a tease about what he could be uh, in this upcoming fall. And I, I think there's a lot to like about what Adiza Isaac, as we have said time and time again this offseason, season, really a, an up and coming player in this defense he would have been my pick and Brennan goes Charlie Catcher, which I, I can't argue with that could see him really uh, you know loading up on the tackles getting a lot of playing time in his third year on campus seems to be healthy has really physically progressed in a nice way uh, so that was Mark Brennan's pick Charlie Catcher. Um, and, and like you said, Sean, we're all right. Uh, because you know, we don't know, maybe, maybe somebody out there, maybe one of our listeners will play this game on NCAA and they can get back to us and, and, and let us know who, who performed the best. And then we may all be wrong, but, uh, anyways, it's nice to imagine we won't be wrong. That's the thing. Going back to your pick, I like Adisa. Uh, you, like I said, you took the low-hanging fruit with yes. uh, with Adisa, and on the front side, you took uh, Isaac, and I didn't didn't make you change your pick for the defense, but, uh, especially because you took my guy forward. Um, but Charlie Catcher, uh, it's a good strategy to take the guy behind the guy. Uh, he's backing up Micah Parsons at Will Linebacker, so that's a pretty good chance that he would have gotten a ton of reps. I mean, uh, you know, not saying Micah wouldn't you know get the the absolute veteran treatment but you don't need to play your best uh, player in uh, in the spring game all that much so uh, I like catcher's pick uh, you know I like your Isaac pick for obvious reasons it was was really anticipating seeing some of these younger guys uh, like a corner like a defensive tackle but uh, so is life and and that's where we're at right now 
And right now, we circle on the calendar September 5th for the uh, next opportunity to see this team in Beaver Stadium. We'll see what happens in the next few months. That's all I can say about that. Trying to carry an optimistic viewpoint uh, moving forward as long as we can uh, until someone tells us that we can't. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, We're going to get into a bunch of team stuff uh, at the start of next week. We'll talk about the cornerback position where there is a a really interesting position battle to replace Sean Reed. And it's a bunch of second year guys involved there. Um, And also running back. You're going to hear what J1 Sider had to say about Devin Ford. You don't want to miss that. Also, Journey Brown, by the way, Sean, number four on Barton Simmons' top 25 running backs uh, projected for 2020. A lot of our readers like were scrolling through, it sounded like, and, and they got to 15, 16, and they thought you know, this was come some, some kind of clickbait where Journey Brown wasn't even on the list. They needed to keep going because he was at number four, and Jay Wan Sider's statements will do nothing to deter you about hopping on board the bandwagon with Brown. Uh, Sean, anything else to add before we step aside for the weekend? Barton has been irrationally high on Journey Brown, and I think there's you know there's elements that go into why that could happen. Kirk Shiraka's offense um, is going to I think be a little bit more run heavy than we're used to seeing, especially with the receiver situation at Penn State. So you know buy low on Journey and and see what happens, and I think that that's uh, that's a reflection of that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I I'll be honest with you when when he popped up at number four, I was a little surprised. I didn't think I was going to pass him up because I know what Barton has said to me about him in the past. But uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty lofty, and there's some pretty darn good running backs on that list. There's some really good running back, good running backs in college football. I think Kenneth Gainwell was on there, whom I'm a big fan of uh, from Memphis after seeing him in the Cotton Bowl, but just all over the place. Uh, some really good running backs, and uh, we'll be interesting to see how he handles this season, whenever that may happen, and and how he handles whatever happens after this season, if, if, the, if he has the year that uh, Bart and some others are projecting for him. Yeah, this time, this time last year, think about where Journey Brown was. Ricky Slade was the heir apparent. He was about to miss the entire summer session with Penn State. He had the two four-star running back coming in as freshmen. Come a long way in a very short span. Well, Journey was the the spring standout last year. I mean, that's the guy that everybody pointed to, and then all of a sudden he's off campus for the summer, right. and you think, okay, well, that momentum's out the window. But uh, to his credit, did a great job of uh, of bouncing back, staying in shape over the summer, and I think that that's an experience when you talk about him being away from the team and learning how to uh, cope with what he's doing and respond to the situation that he's in. You know, he's you know, I don't want to say anybody's in an advantage right now, but he's learned how to do it in the past, and we'll see if he can, you know. Uh, replicate the success he had last year. We'll dive into a lot more on Brown and that entire backfield, a very talented backfield. And by the way, Kazai Holmes, as I mentioned, MVP pick, he adds to that dimension as well. So we'll get into that next week. Uh, for now, a big thank you to Brian Doan. Uh, a big congratulations to Jeffrey Davis for his commitment. And on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. You've been listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.